1: Across our music and culture channels, we have a wide range of shows covering every genre, along with chat shows, discussions, and special broadcasts. Here is just one of our recent shows. To catch the full show, head to our Mix Club page or listen live at Soho Radio London.com.
0: Sheffer by Zusha on Soho Service on Soho Radio like that it's very meditative I thought right exciting news is we now have a Instagram page you can follow us on and message us on soho.service updating it with very fancy visual photos and trying to work out how to use it right now um, but we're getting there and you can so please do follow us on there also my own personal Twitter at, at Isaac or at Soho Radio for all things Soho Radio as ever so as I said, we've got Father Marcus Walker on this week from the Great St. Bartholomew's Church in the City of London. We're excited to have him on to discuss all things choral music. I thought that was quite cool just then from Zeus so I thought that'd be good to have on. Before we hear from him, though, I thought it'd be nice to play something a little bit different. Um, this is from the Swan Consort, um, which is a group of musicians put together by Anita Datta. I was lucky enough last year to hear her... When she came to visit my university, and she played, they played a, a fantastic piece called E Banks and Bray's forward slash "Fule Fule," um, which was a mashup that she arranged of two different pieces that actually have the same melody. So, firstly, you've got "Ye Banks and Braes," which was a piece by Robert Burns, um, a Scottish ballad, um, which was then taken by Tagore and made into an Indian love song. Um, and it uses the same melody throughout. And they're both sort of quite famous in their own right. Um, and I remember Anita saying that she sort of felt different sort of parts. Obviously, she's got quite a long choral history um, for the Banks and Braes. And she's also had her Indian heritage. And those sort of came together in the piece that she wrote, which I thought was really interesting. So we've got both of those pieces together in the current work. And I hope you enjoy this. This is Fule Fule in Banks and Braes by the Swan Consort. And then... Marcus
1: Walker. We're very
0: lucky this week to be joined by Father Marcus Walker, um, who's rector at St. Bartholomew's the Great in the City of London. Um, I thought it'd be great to get um, Father Walker on because at the moment we're seeing a real really interesting change in the way that churches are working in the way that a lot of communities who might often be relying on quite ornate choral services are having to really reinvent how they um preach and how they sort of man their services in respect to social distancing and all the other different um rules that the government have put in place more recently in light of the coronavirus pandemic so i thought it'd be really great um uh, Father Walker, if we get, got you on to discuss that, um, and a few other things as well. And um, would you, what would be quite useful, I think, perhaps just to begin, is could you give us a bit of an overview for people who might not know about um, Saint Bartholomew the Great, what what it's like as a as a church, what sort of church you you go to, and perhaps even how you came to work at the church yourself.
1: Yes, of course. Um, so Saint Bartholomew the Great is the city of London's oldest surviving parish church. It was. Founded in 1123, so we've got our 900th anniversary approaching quite excitingly. That is, yeah. And it survived the fire of London by being, by, 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 because the fire stopped just one street back. And it survived yeah. the Blitz because my predecessor went up on the roof and kicked off the incendiary bombs when they landed <laughs> each night. And so with, with this wonderful little early medieval survival, in the, mm. the city of London. And one of, and, and that makes it a gloriously a- atmospheric church. You know, the stones are almost 900 years old and they, they sort of bleed, they seep history and prayer. And it's wonderful. And with that has come a great musical tradition. And before the lockdown, we had uh, two two big choral services um, on a Sunday at 11 o'clock and at 630 and we'd started a new Even Song in the City so that city workers who used to sing could come in and remember, I suppose, remember their youth, remember their singing, and, and make, make a great and beautiful noise. And, of course, all that then had to come to an end, really, with, with lockdown. Um, and we had to try, change quite hard what we do and how we do it. But, but actually keeping, keeping decent music has um has been at the core of what we've done. And so yes.
0: Yes, okay. no, that's and, and that's something I, I think is really interesting because I think for, for a lot of people, and I, I remember I was speaking quite a few weeks ago and um, we spoke to the rector at St Anne's, which is all you know, a very different church mm. um, also in London. Um, he was sort of saying about this idea, you know, with the lockdown, there came almost this sense of pairing back um, what a service means, and sort of getting back to basics. And I think for for some for some communities that can be quite easy. It's just che- you know moving what would be the altar into perhaps someone's front um, front room, and it just becomes more of a personal experience. And doing that over Zoom and, and, and creating a service th- just more from that perspective. But I yeah. think for 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 great some for some St Bart's the great, it's a very different.
1: Yes, experience. very much so. We 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 sort of took the opposite approach. Um, mm. to, to, to That my colleague we thought we needed to try to offer people as much of what they knew and as much of what they liked as possible um, I took the view that well not just took the view I mean in so many conversations with people as lockdown was happening as people were frightened people were nervous about well f- afraid of death afraid that their loved ones were going to die afraid of lockdown afraid of the impact on their on all of our mental health that the prospect and then the reality of lockdown um, would, would, would cause. So, what I wanted was to give people something as much um, like they were like, like they were used to as possible, and to 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 allow that familiarity to give them to give us all comfort. So, the first thing was trying to ensure that we were actually allowed to film from inside the church, because there's a huge difference between filming something in my Living room or in my kitchen, um, because that's my space. You know, I've chosen everything that goes in there. I'm it, it, It's my personal space. it isn't anything that speaks to anybody else. Whereas the church is a built-up space of, of generations. It's a thing that different people have contributed to. It's where people have themselves had their encounters with God and with the friends um, and all the people that they love who go to that church. So it's so important, I felt that people could actually see their church. And then when it comes when it came to the ritual and the music to see if we could build up as much of what was what, what we could possibly give them that was familiar. And our choir worked overtime to learn how to sing, each from their own houses, their own flats. And then our director of music stitched it together, um, electronically to create the great music that the choir was used to singing together. Um, you know, to be able to have Mozart mass settings and Um, Stainer and uh, Schubert and, well, Britain and all the rest of them. And we were actually able to produce a service that included great music. And I think that served two really wonderful purposes. The first thing was it it, it broke people's uh, attention just from me. You It gets a little boring just seeing me every week, I think. So they actually got to see the choir, whom they know, um, singing again. And it was really powerful the first week that the choir was able to do that. And secondly, it brought beauty back into people's lives in a very dark time when everybody's stuck in their own homes, unable to see anybody, unable to do anything almost. There was that little shard of beauty, and we shouldn't underestimate how important beauty is.
0: Too. Yes, and that's that's very interesting. So I think that um, for a lot of people, I, I guess although they, you, you know, you said there's a sense of familiarity, which is a more of a more, almost a more practical, pragmatic reason for wanting to have church services and choirs um, returned and, and, and people being yeah. able to experience that again. But the idea of beauty, I mean, that is almost a more sort of philosophical question. Um, what do you think that gave, to, what does that give to people? And what does it give perhaps even to you in your faith? Um, and why do you think that's so important that people experience that within a religious setting?
1: I think... Beauty takes us out of ourselves. It points us towards the ultimate beauty, which is God. It reminds us that there is something more to life than the mundane, you know, the, all the little things that we just have to get through to get through the day. It, it's wonderful. It, it, I mean, I think beauty never fails to point us to the heavens. And for me, I, and, and I think actually with music, it does another thing too. It bypasses the rational mind; it goes straight to the heart. It goes straight to the soul. It enables us to see deeper truths, without immediately necessarily pr- processing them through the mm. brain. Um, so that that's why I think the beauty of music, in particular, is so important. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, one thing that was it did seem, and I um, we, we also spoke to some people from the community of St. Anselm, which is one mm. of the um, Archbishop's recent um, uh, projects. They've been working yes. on. Um, which has been idea. Really, really, really fascinating. Um, and one thing that, that that I think it was uh, I only spoke to you, raised about it was this idea of actually what it, what it has allowed um, through a lot more churches filming their services. Mm. It's allowed people to sort of get involved in in almost church life or at least services who might almost be a little bit too scared to go into those buildings um, and, and be a little bit sort of fearful of them. Have you have you found that in your own personal experience that yes. you've, you've had?
1: Well, And actually, you know, whilst it 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 is important actually to flag up that it isn't just people who are at the moment afraid to go in, it's people who aren't able to go anymore. There are people who've now had to go into a care home or have had to move, and they've lost their connection with their church. And it was something we were looking at before lockdown. Actually, was whether there was a way that we could start broadcasting our services particularly even song because you know with communion there is that big bit where you're not doing the thing that the people who are physically there are doing so it's Mm. it's perhaps before lockdown it felt slightly more problematic but it you know for, for all that place is important and it really is and going there and physically being with the people that you know and love is important that isn't possible for everybody and that's one of the reasons why what we've been trying to do is to develop our services as well as we can to be able to allow those who are at home, temporarily or permanently, to be able to be a part of that of the community, and it's and we, we've spent a lot of time and effort and a reasonable amount of money trying to do this to give a, a, an an experience of the service you would get in person at home, although it's by nature going to be different. Um, and I do think that's important, and I do actually think that is one of the gifts that the lockdown has given us actually is to be aware of those who can't physically make it to church and to see how we can support them.
0: And that, and that that leads me incredibly nicely on to another question. Just in, instead of your role, perhaps as as the um, as the rector at Saint Bart's, but more specifically, is your role just as a parish priest, mm. and, and what that must have been like during the lockdown? You know, you've it, it's it's such a huge pastoral role that you're undertaking on a daily basis. Normally, all of a sudden, not being able to interact with your parishioners in the same way, how was that, and what, what was that like as a role? And like, I guess also, that, you know, you, you, there was an article that you wrote quite recently in the Times that gained a lot of um sort of talk on Twitter and various other places about the role of a priest more widely um during during the, the coronavirus, especially um in in hospitals and things like that as well. Um what do you what was your what do you find your role was? Were there was there anything surprising about how the church has responded and how you might have responded yourself?
1: Well we're in a funny place because being a city church, we don't actually have that many people physically living in the parish. I think hmm. in the last census there were 100 people living <laughs> regularly, permanently in the parish yeah. and about 600 people who were overnight in the hospital which takes up about a full sort of 50% of the actual physical space of the, hosp- of, the yeah. of the parish that meant that the, the the flock who come on a sunday or on a weekday were dispersed dispersed around the country um dispersed around the city and dispersed around the country and that made it Well, it would, in normal circumstances, make it very difficult physically to see them. Of course, in lockdown, it was impossible physically to see them, which meant that a lot of conversations were happening over the phone, which was all right most of the time. But you really felt how you, I mean, in, in all honesty, you felt your personal lack as a priest when people were speaking to you about the death of somebody they loved. Um, and the inability to be able to do the physical things you would do, like say, let's go and light a candle or let me come round, you know, let's talk, let's pray. You could only do that virtually. Almost the hardest thing for me was when one of our, um, one of our homeless friends who come along, comes along regularly on Sundays. And he, he was probably ironically the person I saw most over lockdown because he'd come to the door almost every day. And one, and Suddenly his sister fell ill with COVID. And one day he came to the door and he was in tears. And she died. And he just wanted to go into the church and pray. That was all he wanted to do. And I had to say no. But it was, you know, you, whilst you entirely understand why we were not supposed to physically to be seeing people and we couldn't allow people into the churches. That doesn't mean there wasn't a cost. And there was a a deep cost to that. I found in the conversations, it was interesting that there was a hard shift about three to four weeks into lockdown. I think it was, yeah, it was sort of towards the end of April maybe, maybe mid, mid, middle to end of April I found, that people's conversations moved from death, fear of death, mortality, towards mental health, breakdowns, fear, fear for self, for, for, for relationships of people that, that, that people were living with. Um, and, and therefore what I was needing to talk about and engage with shifted with that. Um, but at the same time there was there was a... It was, it was very interesting, certainly from a religious perspective, from a Christian perspective, that I think for the first time in a very long time, possibly since this, either the Second World War or maybe Princess Diana's death, death was a major topic of, topic of conversation. What does it mean to die? What, what happens when we die? What does it mean? What does salvation mean? And what is God doing in the midst of a global pandemic? And these were suddenly real live questions rather than theoretical abstract questions or questions that people only deal with on their own in the very useless way that the british have developed for talking about death intellectually you could explore the questions and i ran a course on the book of job which is really the the big and problematic and difficult book dealing with pain suffering and god well at least god's relationship with pain and suffering in the bible So we did that and had about 35 people tune in, interestingly from all over the world, Mm. because one of the interesting things is that we developed because of the broadcasting um, and being among the first churches to go back in and broadcast from the church. We picked up uh, a rather lovely international congregation as well. So that meant that Job by Zoom had really interesting uh, elements to it it. You know, somebody from El Salvador tuning in, there, 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 there was somebody from Nigeria. You had, you had people who, who were bringing totally different perspectives um, in, in, into the questions of life and death mm. that weren't just British you know, stiff uh, upper lip.
0: And that, must, and that must have given you a real different perspective as well, reading that with them. Absolutely. Mm. I can't imagine. imagine it brilliant. Mm, I'm sure. Brilliant. That's fantastic. And that, I think that's certainly in, in a way, although with. That's something that a lot of people have said. Certainly, as a cause of the lockdown, although we're actually, you know, we're not allowed to visit other countries at the moment, and there's there's real restrictions on 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 closeness in that respect internationally. It's also brought us closer, I think, because we're every country. It's one of the very rare times when pretty much every country around the world
1: is facing the same predicament, which has sort of never happened before. I think there was an interesting point in March where somebody devoted far too much time. Um, to compiling the front pages of every country in the world and asked, was that ever an occasion where every single front page of every single major newspaper in every single country was on the same subject?
0: Exactly. It, it's, 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 uh, it's been, in a
1: very strange way, unifying
0: moment. Um, let's let's um, take your first piece to play now. Um, hmm. uh, the Gloria from Haydn's um, Santa Nicolai Mass. Why did you choose this?
1: So I changed this, actually, because... It. It plays a big part, really, in my own story. It. I, I, before I was a before I was a priest, I was working in Westminster, and I thought, I suppose, I thought I'd have a political career, in those days, and, but and I was I, I was weighing up. That, alongside the death of a very good friend of mine, and I went to a church, um, in Oxford. And where I was visiting that 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 weekend, and the and Haydn's Santa Nicolai Mass was, was the mass setting, and during the Gloria, for some reason, all the different pieces of my life sort of came together like it like it like a jigsaw, and I felt absolutely clearly that I should be a priest, which came as quite a surprise to me. <laughs> but yes, just during that piece, but very specifically during this, this wonderful little moment with the, the, the soprano goes off in glory during glorificamus te and it was just in that moment everything seemed to come together um so therefore th- this 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 piece and this section of this piece really speaks to me and and will for for the rest of my life i imagine
0: one thing that's come up quite a lot recently and there was a an interesting piece again um in the newspapers a few weeks ago was asking about the role of Evensong and certainly choral choirs and mm. these these pieces that you've, you know, you say, you know, spoken to you for, for, for so many centuries and spoken to people for so many centuries. And whether there really is a place for them now, is this the time to sort of rethink the role perhaps of the cathedral choir or just the, the, the church choir? Um, I know that, you know, recently, I think it was... Um, one of the church, Sheffield Cathedral, um, have got rid, got rid of their choir recently to sort of create a more um, diverse, sort of reflect the diversity of, of their particular sort of parish and community that they're representing. Um, at the same time, there's, there's also been ideas that um, Evensong actually has, has gone up in popularity over the past past few years as well. And you spoke about your own um, Evensong in the City that happens at Grace and Barts. And I know that you also have something called, what was it Bangers and Bangers and, and Booze? <laughs> Which, That's is, right. which is an, which is another service that you do. Um, what 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 have you found personally on the ground in terms of that the popularity of even And why do you think that it might have increased over time? This idea of choral music.
1: Yes, I mean it, it's absolutely fascinating. The, the, the chap who wrote the uh, article, bemoaning the existence of choral Evensong and saying how much better it would be just to rattle through it in twenty minutes and go home again. Um, okay. God love him, I'm, I'm sure that that's what gets him through the day. <laughs> I'm not sure it would get me through the day in that way, certainly. If there was the option of Coral Evensong. What was very interesting about that article was that it didn't mention the fascinating thing that in the midst of essentially five decades of decline and depression in the Church of England, um, all the charts pointing down, With there have been a few little things that have bucked that trend, the most interesting of which is Coral Evensong.
0: It's, it's, for, no, it's, it's worth it's just saying, for anyone who might not know, Choral Evensong is sort of, would, how would you describe it? Sort of the most choral
1: service that you might have in a
0: church during the week? Yeah,
1: Chor- Choral Evensong, it, so the words come from the Book of Common Prayer, which was originally written by, Cranmer, by by Thomas Cranmer in the 15th century. It's a service that has been put to music really ever since, from Byrd um, under Queen Elizabeth I right the way up to, uh, well, composers now put put the various passages of it to music. It's a very music-heavy service, although it includes readings and a sermon and prayers. And it's about an hour long, normally. And some of the greatest pieces of music written by English-speaking composers have been written for choral, evensong And two things are really fascinating about its continuity and survival and indeed growth – the first is, is that it has grown. It's the service that people come to. It's the opposite of the kind of service that a lot of priests, we tend to think people want, you know, interactive. People want to say things back to you. People. Well, none of that happens. The choir sings on your behalf. The responses that the priest and the people might say, if you're just saying it, and rattling through it, are sung by the choir, set to wonderful and beautiful pieces of music. It's It's done on your behalf, which I think means that you can be taken to a different place. You're not having to think about what you're having to say next. You're just allowing the spirit to move within you and lift you up. The second really interesting thing is it's young people who are going to Evensong. And I found this with our Evensong in the city. It was mostly people in their 20s. And we launched it last September, and by by December, we well, yeah, by December we we we, we were having over hundred people from nothing. Goodness, wow! Um, coming along on a you know wet Thursday night, and most of the people were in their twenties, and were, you know then the next biggest trunch were people in their thirties. And my my view, speaking to them and speaking to so many others. Is that in a very fast-changing world, this is something that seems anchored in eternity. It suggests that the whole world can be spinning around you, but God is still there, the divine is still there, and is still stable, and you can still you can still hold to that, and that's why I think that. Contra the view that we need to scrap all these old things, I mean, the fascinating thing about that view is that this has been an argument. This has been an argument throughout the um, the existence of the Church of England. You've always had the Puritans who have said, "Get rid of all these old fusty words, get rid of the the set liturgies, get rid of the, this music that sounds all pompous and highfalutin," and they've they've argued that for five hundred years. They won for a while when they killed the king. They've never won completely, and the, you know, and the argument has been going on. And the the rest of the church have said, "No, these things are beautiful, and these things are transcendent, and these things lift people up to God." And I suspect this argument will continue for the, the rest to the rest of time. But we shouldn't think that it's a uniquely twentieth and twenty first century thing to be saying, "Oh, let's get rid of all you know, let's get rid of coral Eve and so, on and, so on and so on. let's make it all modern." That's an argument that people have been making from the beginning. Definitely. And I think that is, it really is
0: fascinating, at least, you know, I personally find it fascinating as well. I think one really wouldn't expect, I think, you know, that if you contrast perhaps those, you know, uh, you, I guess you never would have expected young people to be the core audience for even Song in the City. Um, and, you know, contrast it with other sort of um, services that are maybe aimed more at youth. I'm thinking of things like the Hillsong Church which has been quite popular as well in a very different way, um, which sort of uses pop music um, to sort of relate to young people. Um, in a sort of a church setting. Um, it, it's fascinating that both those can always
1: coexist at the same time. Absolutely. And of course, the reality is that God is, you know, God's a clever chap, to sound a bit trite. You know, he's mm. perfectly capable of engaging with people according to their temperament and their needs and their their, their likes. Um, it would be a great tragedy if the only way to God would be Marcus Walker's way, much the same way as it would be a great tragedy if the only way to God were the Hillsong way. So, you know, to, to, to quote the meme why not both fantastic very good i
0: like that um i guess to end and i like again really getting down with the youth there um uh, the (laughs) greats and barts by quoting memes um to end off it would be really great um just to just to look maybe look to the future because i guess as much as these fantastic you know um schemes like um even song of the city have really helped build up the um greats and barts and help sort of almost reinvigorate old centuries old traditions um again almost we're having to clear uh, clear the slate and, and think again about how to engage people in a very different way where they're actually people aren't in the city anymore at least currently yep. and, and and there's a question really whether it will ever return to the way it was you know back in February and January um what huge what's, question. it's a huge question what has, has that been something that you've been thinking about and do you have sort of any thoughts about how that might
1: change in, in, the, in the, the future I've had about this? Um, what, yes, what does a church do when its congregation goes? You know, we have all sorts of historical precedents for that, none of which are particularly positive. My guess is that the city won't empty completely. My other theory is that one one of the reasons why Evensong in the city became a success was that what we offered was not just Evensong. It was also bangers and mash and wine afterwards. And the reason for that was that the reason why that service started was that a group of people who recently, reasonably recently, left university were in the conf, were in confirmation classes um, that I was running, and they were saying that one of the, they that the, they had lost on leaving university. Um, the religion they'd got used to, which was substantially even song based, the subjects that they were really enjoying studying, or at least in retrospect, enjoying studying. And the their friends, that so they were now living in flat shares with people they didn't know, found on spare room, and they'd lost their community. And actually people were feeling isolated and lonely. And one of the purposes of even Song City was to see if we could sort of work to correct two of those lacks. The religion that people that those people had found that they had that they had lost, and the lack of community. The lack of seeing people who are like-minded, who are interested, you know, interested in the same things, over a good few glasses of wine and some bangers and mash—that was what. That I think was the sort of the, 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 the genius of the plan, and I think that that kind of thing is going to be more important, not less, as people find themselves more and more isolated, working in their own homes. You know, it's one, and that's of course going to be more true of people who are younger. Because it's one thing working from home when you've got a big garden and a big house out in the country. You're you're surrounded by your children and your wife and your husband and it's all lovely. And that, of course, is a particular demographic and of a particular age. But if you don't have that, if instead you're working from home, is you working at a desk in the room in which you sleep? If the people you're engaging with are the housemates you happen to be living with, but don't have anything particularly in common with and don't really, and, you know, don't work with at all. Well, you're going to be quite lonely. Mm. I think a lot of people are going to be quite lonely, and I think we're going to have a big wave of mental health consequences of this. And perhaps one of the things that we can be doing, that the churches of all different stripes can be doing, is working out ways of drawing people out of their bedroom slash office into a place where they can find transcendence and find company and find God.
0: Fantastic. I think, I think even outside of the church, I think all sorts of faiths, that's something that they've yeah. been trying to do. And I think that's something that people have been missing over lockdown. I think people are so eager, at least I know my, myself at my local synagogue, that's something that, you know, that we've, People have been so eager to go back in any form they can, even if it is wearing Absolutely. masks and whatever else, and two meters apart. Um, let's end off with your second choice, which is um, William Boyce's "Oh, Where Shall Wisdom Be
1: Found." Why did you choose this? Well, it's a bit of fun, really. I mean, it, 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 it's one that, that 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 lurks with me because one of um, one of my tutors always insisted on it being played at evensong during exam time mm-hmm. whenever he's facing exams, <laughs> and it's 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 it, it's a playful piece where. Um, and it's from Job. It, 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 I, was, I was exploring it during lockdown, as well as a, a little, as a little piece. But it, um, it, 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 it has people asking where can wisdom be found, and you know, the deep says it's not in us, and the forests say it's not in us, and everybody, basically everybody says it's not, it's not here, and it's not found in silver, it's not found in gold, and in the end, you know, obviously, without wanting to, 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 to give you a spoiler. <laughs> um, you know, wisdom's found with God mm. but um but but the whole way that everybody says it's not with us is it's just fun and it's amusing and it was a light-hearted little piece when everybody was frightened about their exams and actually I think it, it's a light-hearted little piece sir, as people are, are worried about where you know, where wisdom can be found right now fantastic pretty good open question it's not a bad one to listen to <laughs>
0: Thank you to Marcus Walker for coming on this week. Loving this. Something slightly different to end the show this week. Where shall wisdom be found? Thanks for joining me. As I said, like our Instagram, soho.service, and I'll see you at the same time next week.